Hello and welcome back to Locked On Oilers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and former Oilers game day producer, Brett Holden. As mentioned on today's episode, a tough loss for the Oilers against the NHL's best Boston Bruins. As the Bruins come in with a big 3-2 win for themselves, we will talk about that game in just a second. But also on today's episode, we're going to go back from earlier today, if you are watching this in the last 24 hours from the last episode. But if you're not, on the last episode, we talked about our three keys to victory for the Oilers over the Boston Bruins. So, how did the Oilers fare? With those three keys now that the game is over. And speaking of the game being over, we will go over our good, bad, and ugly from the game between the Edmonton Oilers and the Boston Bruins. Alrighty, thank you so much for making Locked On Oilers your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you find your podcast. A tough 3-2 loss for the Oilers against the Bruins at Rogers Place as it was Connor McDavid scoring all of the goals for the Edmonton Oilers. He scores not only his 49th goal of the season, but for the first time in his NHL career, he scores 50. Let me say that one more time so you can fully understand what I'm saying. The best player ever to play the game has just scored for the first time in his NHL career 50 goals in a season. He sits at 111 points, 50 goals, 61 assists in 61 games. What would the Oilers do without Connor McDavid? Because Connor McDavid was special from the moment he got out on the ice. Even Louis DeBrusque said in the warm-ups that he looked like he had an extra step in his motor today. And that is exactly what happened. I mean, the Oilers took some costly penalties down the stretch. Clean Costin taking that double minor and Vinny DeHarnay taking that slash. We can talk about that in a bit. But... It's five on three for the Oilers with a minute and a half left, basically. And the Edmonton Oilers are still able to make offense, generate offense. A two-on-one the other way with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on a five-on-three. There were a lot of very good things in this game. We'll talk about the three keys, but the Oilers did score first in this game. That was big for the Oilers. Now... (laughs) Uh, The response wasn't so fantastic for the Oilers, but it's showing that the Edmonton Oilers were there on time. And that's not always been able to be said about some other games this season. Uh, I'm looking at you, Montreal. But uh, Leon Dreisaitl did snap his goal-scoring streak, but he did continue his point streak as he got his 51st 
assist of the season on Connor McDavid's uh, uh or Connor McDavid's first goal of the game. Excuse me, I, I even shocking to me on that one too. Uh, he is just uh, quietly having another fantastic season, Leon Drysital. I mean, what the Oilers would do without these two guys, and then all you ever hear is, "Oh, he's hurt. Oh, he's not playing to his level." And he sits here, and, and, and sorry, that was his fifty third assist. I should say, I was, I was looking that up on the fly. I thought that was wrong. 53rd assist of the year for Leon Dreisaitl. Even better. Just having a fantastic year. And he too, along with Connor McDavid, really was a catalyst for the Oilers offensively. Now, Clean Cost in his first game back from, I believe what they're calling an illness. It could have been a wrist injury as well. Very under the radar as to what they are calling or what Costin was out with. But he did return in this game, and he played fantastic. Now, I did mention he did take a penalty in the late in the third, a bad penalty to take. Um, you know, I wouldn't say it was stupid on his part, but you have to be uh, responsible with where your stick lies. But he did get an assist on the uh, Connor McDavid's 50th goal of the year, so wonder if he'll get part of that puck there too. But did get an assist on that one, did take a, a couple of penalties, but Costin, again, uh, just a great addition for the Edmonton Oilers. And I think a lot of people tend to forget, I know Oilers fans love uh, Clean Costin, but I think a lot of Oilers fans forget just how valuable he can be in games. And I think, especially down the stretch, he's going to be a special and important player for the Edmonton Oilers, especially in playoffs and stuff like that, where you need that high intensity type player. You saw it again here. You know, just got caught in a bad position on the penalty, costly penalty, regardless. Bad penalty regardless, but either way, up until that point, a fantastic game for him. And the same can be said about Vinny DeHarnay. I have to say, uh, I would go into battle with Vinny DeHarnay any day. Any day. I want that man on my team each and every single time I go into battle. That last stretch on the penalty kill, and yes, I know he ended up taking a, a pretty dumb penalty, which again, we'll talk about later on. But that shift was one of the single greatest defensive and penalty killing shifts I have seen in a very, very, very long time. I think he had four blocked shots in a span of 90 seconds. And if it wasn't for him on one of those, one of his long six foot seven legs sitting out there, that game would have been 4-2. And this game would have been a very different conversation right here, right now. Now, did he take a stupid penalty? Yes, absolutely. But again, just like Clean Costin, up until that point, fantastic game. Fantastic game. So a lot of really good things to pull out of this as well. Cody Cece getting his third point in his last five games, which is really noticeable because those are also his last three points in his last 26 games. Yeah, 26. So uh, a big game for him as well. The Oilers fall to 32-21-8 as they look to improve on that record when the Toronto Maple Leafs 
come into town a Wednesday night, 6 o'clock puck drop for that one at Rogers Place. That's going to be great. But we're not moving on from this game yet. As from last episode, we talked about the three keys to victory for the Edmonton Oilers against the Boston Bruins. So how did they fare with those three keys? We will talk about that in just a second. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started using AG1 because I wanted to better my gut health, optimize my immune system, and I wanted to do so without taking so many pills and supplements. That's exactly what I get with AG1. So, what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all of the things. All of the things. Plus, it's lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it is all good for you. Plus, it contains less than one gram of sugar. No GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, all while still tasting great. And it's less than $3 a day. You're absorbing, or you're investing, absorbing, my goodness. You're investing your in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. I would know. I may have one, and it's very late, by the way. I shouldn't be. But either way, Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews and is recommended by professional athletes. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That is it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com NHL network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Alrighty, let's move on to the three keys that we uh, hashed out before the game to victory for the Edmonton Oilers. Now, obviously, the Edmonton Oilers did not get the victory. So, how did those three keys fare for the Edmonton Oilers? The three keys, as a little bit of a reminder, the first one is block shots. The Edmonton Oilers heading into this game sat 29th in the NHL in block shots and to face off against one of the best offenses in the NHL. Not the best, because we all know who the best offense is. But one of the best offenses in the NHL, you're going to have to prevent the other team from getting the puck, the rubber towards the net, and that is is what the Edmonton Oilers were looking to do. The second uh, key to victory was take advantage on the power play. Now, this was the best power play in the NHL against the best penalty kill in the NHL. A big, big battle. So it's important for both teams to take advantage of the special teams. How did they do? We'll talk about that in a second. The third and final key to victory was not necessarily to score first, but make sure the Boston Bruins 
didn't score first. Now, the Oilers did score first. Technically. Technically. I'll get back to that point. But let's start off with the first key to victory, and that was blocking shots. As mentioned, the Oilers come into this game 29th with 773. And after this game, the Edmonton Oilers came out on top of the blocking game. Yes, that is a very different story than what it normally is for the Edmonton Oilers, but that's a good sign. 20 blocks for the Edmonton Oilers, 15 for the Boston Bruins. I think 20 of those can be attributed to Vinny DeHarnay, but nonetheless, he still helped the Edmonton Oilers outblock and prevent any easy pucks towards the net. That is all you can ask for, and genuinely, props to the Edmonton Oilers' defense on this. This was one of those ones where you throw out there and you're just like, please, I don't think it's going to happen, but if the Oilers are able to do it, they will be very good, and you see exactly that type of thing happen. The Edmonton Oilers go up against a very difficult team. All three of their goals were very difficult goals to get to. The Pavel Zaka one was uh, uh, just a, a good bounce. Hard-working goals, that's all you can really ask for. You can't give anything away easy in the NHL, and in this game, the Edmonton Oilers didn't. As the Oilers said, I believe it was uh, Connor McDavid said after this game, uh, it is a skill to win, and the Boston Bruins have mastered that skill. And that is just an attribute, attribute, attribulation? It's it, it gets chalked up to the Edmonton Oilers, what I'm trying to say, is uh, the Oilers' defensive work is really uh, uh, very strong in this game, and that, that shows just how strong the Oilers uh, did battle in this one, if that made any sense. But either way, let's move on to the second key of uh, two victory for the Edmonton Oilers, and that was take advantage on the power play. However, the Edmonton Oilers only got one power play, and they did not score on it. However, the Boston Bruins, who sit 7th in uh, the NHL with power play percentage on the Edmonton Oilers' 25th best penalty kill, Boston Bruins went 0 for 5. So the Edmonton Oilers did not take advantage on the one power play that they didn't, but more importantly, the Boston Bruins didn't take advantage on the power play. That might have been more important in this game as the Oilers have been playing better at 5-on-5, five five, but that penalty kill at times has looked horrid. Horrid. Not tonight. Not tonight. The Edmonton Oilers looked very good in that. So maybe you can change the wording to that a little bit. Not the Oilers take advantage on the power play, but make sure the Bruins didn't take advantage on the power play, and that's exactly what happened. And the final key to victory for the Edmonton Oilers in this one was to score first, but not necessarily to score first, to make sure the Boston Bruins didn't score first. Now that is exactly what the Edmonton Oilers did as Connor McDavid scored two minutes and 17 seconds into this one from Leon Dreisaitl, his 49th goal of the season. However, it only took 13 seconds later for the Boston Bruins to tie this game at one. Uh, it was uh, Thomas Noshek scoring the goal. Now, I mention that because... Garnett Hathaway and Dmitry Orloff, the two newest Bruins, both getting assists on that goal. Now, 
As mentioned, the Edmonton Oilers did score the first goal, technically, but we're back on even ground. After that, the Bruins scored the first goal after that. So technically, the Bruins did score the first goal. Either way, why was that so important? Well, heading into this game, when scoring first, the Edmonton Oilers were 19-6-4. Boston Bruins, 30-0-3. Yes, they haven't lost a game in regulation this year when they score the first goal. So it was pretty important to score the first goal in this one, and the Oilers did that, and they gave themselves a genuine fighting chance to win this game. Now the Edmonton Oilers fall to 19-7-4 and on the season when scoring first, and the Boston Bruins improve to 16-8-2. and when allowing the first goal. So, uh, not too bad. You can kind of blur the lines on some things and kind of go back and and reevaluate how they played, but uh, not too bad when it comes to the keys to victory. Some stuff to work on, but very positive, especially considering that was the best team in the NHL. Alrighty, let's wrap up with the good, the bad, and the ugly. From the game against the Boston Bruins in just a second. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories? Then you gotta try Built Bar. Look, I know we're getting through February now. Our New Year's resolutions are kind of poking their heads out. Are you still with me? Are you still with me? And one of mine has been to eat healthier this year. And if you're like me and you want to eat healthier but don't want to sacrifice taste or compromise taste as well, then I've got the thing for you. You got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Actually, they are so delicious that you won't think they're good for you. They are perfect. To keep up with your New Year's resolution. But why are they so good? How are they so good? Well, it's probably because they are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, real chocolate. Plus, they come in a whole bunch of undeniably delicious flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I am drooling just thinking about it now. Mmm. Anyways, now I normally send you to Built.com to get those Built Bars, but if you are near a Sam's Club or a participating Walmart, you may be able to catch a box for your own. You can thank me later. Alrighty, let's wrap up today's episode with the good, the bad, and the ugly, as we always do after every Edmonton Oilers game. Let's start off with the good. The good being hanging in there. The Oilers did score the first goal. They ended up trailing 2-1, but did tie the game and came back, did lose 3-2. But even despite going down to a double minor with four and a half minutes left and then taking a bad slashing penalty at the end of the game, the Edmonton Oilers still We're in the fight up until the final second. It was a great fight for the Edmonton Oilers. Another one-goal game. And a one-goal game against the best team in the NHL. There's one thing about doing it against the worst team in the NHL, against the Columbus Blue Jackets. And yes, it was a 6-5 absolute bloodbath. 
But it's nice to see these three, two, one goal games against the best teams in the NHL. Knowing that the Edmonton Oilers can hang in there, this is a real measuring stick game for the Edmonton Oilers. And it's a measuring stick game when it comes to the trade deadline. The Edmonton Oilers have the Toronto Maple Leafs left, who probably are going to face off against the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round because of how good the Bruins have been. The Maple Leafs have no choice. That's how good both of these teams have been. This is a true measuring stick as to see what the Oilers need and what the Oilers have down the stretch for the trade deadline. So being able to hang in there shows that the Edmonton Oilers are just right there. They're almost there. They just need that one extra push. So the good hanging in there. The bad, the discipline. We talked a lot about it already today. Costin's two penalties. I didn't mention the one in the first period as well. Kind of a tough hooking call on him as well. Uh, but that that high sticking call. Now, I don't... It's a penalty. I, I'm not saying it's not a penalty. I, I, I'm not going... Where I'm going with this is I, I think some people might be a little hard on cost and go, oh, you can't take that penalty. What a stupid penalty. You're turning around. You've, you just turn the puck over. You're trying to get back into the play. It's an unfortunate spot. Honestly, I thought just a little bit, there was a little hook on the hand. I was okay with that not being called. It was a one hand on the stick with uh, from Bergeron that just kind of got his glove Again, I don't blame Costin at all, and I don't think it was a bad call. It's just an unfortunate thing. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. I don't want people to get on Costin and go, oh, you can't, as Edmonton Oilers fans tend to do. Um, bad penalty to take, absolutely. Completely accidental. He knew it. You saw him right there. Put his head up. He knew what it was. So in uh, that one, and then the Vinny DeHarnay penalty. Bad penalty to take. It's a really bad penalty to take, and that is out of pure frustration. However, what did what led to the frustration? I said the Costin penalty wasn't a bad call. I think the DeHarnay call, not that the slash wasn't a slash, but right before that, Pasternak did interfere with Matthias Janmark. So if you're going to call one, you got to call the other to me. You, you, you got to stay consistent, especially when there's two minutes left in a game, a one-goal game against two contenders. Uh, you just got to stay out of it. Now, I also think that the call itself was a little, a little, little, little soft, a little soft on uh, Vinny DeHarnay. It's down the stretch. It's a big penalty kill. The Oilers just had the shift of a century on that uh, penalty kill. It's a bad slash, but I could understand of you go I could understand you going, "Listen, it's the last 90 seconds of the game. It's not really affecting the play overtly." Is it a little over the top? Maybe, but we got to get through this game. We got, we have to let the players in that situation 
determine the outcome of the game. You can't let the refs get into it. So that that's where I sit with that the discipline. Bad penalties in general, but you can argue them either way. And the ugly, let's get to it, the depth. As Connor McDavid, the only one scoring in this game, no lines really were, were finishing. There were some good players on certain lines that kind of stood out, but it wasn't a full cohesive unit for the Edmonton Oilers with their depth players. And that is where I think really the big downfall for the Oilers came in this game. I mean, you see a guy like Sam Lafferty go to the Maple Leafs today and you go, that would be a nice guy to have in your depth to in a game like this to kind of add that something special to the bottom six. The Edmonton Oilers, Costin did all he could, but as you saw, ended up in the penalty box late in the game. So you need that other guy down in the bottom six, but this isn't to talk about trades. I just, I, I think anyone not named Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl did not play fantastic in the offensive end. And to be honest with you, this was a really shocking game from Kyler Yamamoto. It was just not a good game from him. So uh, hopefully he can bounce back. He's coming back from injury. But I think the other difficult thing for De or, uh, Yamamoto too is a lot of trade conversations. So we shall see. Let's wrap it up there, folks. As mentioned, the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good hanging in there. It was a close one-goal game for the entire game. A fun game to watch as well, especially if you were neutral. The bad being the discipline. Two bad penalties down the stretch, one being a double minor, potentially costing the Edmonton Oilers an opportunity at coming back against the best team in the NHL. And the ugly, the depth and the depth scoring as Connor McDavid, the only Edmonton Oiler able to beat Jeremy Swayman tonight. Alrighty, uh, let's wrap it up there, folks. Now, I did mention some trades, and the NHL trade deadline is Friday, March 3rd, so join us live on Locked On NHL's YouTube channel from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern, Eastern, uh, as the Locked On NHL hosts break down the biggest deals from across the league, including myself. I will be there from 2 to 4 uh, p.m. Eastern time, so noon to 2 p.m., chatting about all the moves and maybe even... An Eric Carlson deal. I don't know. I'm just trying to manifest it, okay? Don't get mad at me. Either way, that is the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's wrap it up there, folks. I know the Edmonton Oilers couldn't win, but just to bring up the vibes, why don't you play La Bamba, baby? <laughs>